Amen. You know, Heather, I, I think, and I don't know if it hit anybody else out here like it did me, I, I would love to have on our bulletins the words of the songs that go up on here. Uh, these songs were just filled pregnant with, uh, with everything that can catch your soul. I, it's kind of hard when you sing songs like that and sing the words like that and, and then, and then want to try to make a shift in saying, where do we go from here? I, I'd like to take those home and meditate on them. And great, great choice, Holy Spirit, for moving through Heather with the words. We are going to look at a topic that is quite familiar uh, to me. It is a topic that when uh, months ago when Steve handed out what I'd be speaking on and what would be the topic, I kind of was excited because it landed on this passage that I have taught for years and years and years. I actually got out a, a old CD that I did well before CDs were out. It was a it was a tape that I did in a starting of a church in another place, and I, and I spoke on this passage in Philippians chapter 4. And, and, and a lot of things were revealed to me at that time about this whole thing of contentment, this whole thing of learning a secret, of being content. And then I, I over the many, I don't know how many years now, it's been 30-some years, periodically, about once every two two years I'd get this topic again and so I would build on it and I would add on it and and so when it was assigned to me I thought good I like this topic uh, I'm right in the middle of it right now so I think it'll be really good but you got to remember when you've studied something a long time ago in my mind pretty much was I know what I'm going to tell you I have a pretty good idea I got the outline here and God might fill in a few more illustrations or examples but I have a pretty good idea of what I'm going to share. So to me, it was like, okay, rather than do what I normally do where I sit and I, I study and I open up and look at this, I, I just said, okay, God, how are we going to package this uh, for everybody? And we went along, and I had a lot of things begin to happen. Uh, uh, like you, uh, life doesn't always play out each day like you expect it to. Uh, since I've seen you, I've had three dear people diagnosed with terminal cancer. My dad died. My friend Doug died. I've had a lot of deaths. I've had a lot of hardship. And, and so I'm, I'm kind of looking at this thing of I've learned the secret of being content. And for some reason, it was put on my heart uh, oh, about a week ago to download... Yes, Pat, I actually did it. Uh, to download a sermon by a guy named Louis Giglio. And I downloaded the sermon this morning. Stupid sometimes to download a sermon when you're about to give a sermon. But I felt this is a sermon that uh, I'm not using it for preparation for this sermon. This is a sermon that I, I felt obedient to download. And so this morning, about 6 o'clock, I download the sermon and I listen to it. And uh, my opening phrase for you was, uh, was going to be, uh, the book of Proverbs is a very, very good proverb, or a book on how to live life. And one of the key themes through the book of Proverbs is 
the wise man, the wise woman, longs to be taught. The wise wants to be corrected so that they can become still wiser. That they might live out now the experiences of more and more freedom. And in order to do so, I've got to be, and you've got to be open to say, Father, here I am this morning, speak to me this hour, and I'll do what it is that you put on my heart to do. And so I was looking at that, and I, obviously, when the, the uh, download came through, it actually worked. And I was out there listening, and I said, God, well, I don't know what you asked me to do this for, but go ahead and, and uh, do what you need to do. And uh, I got hammered this morning of some things in my life. And they were just a little bit of uh, a twisting, a little bit of a adjusting of some things. And one of the huge things that hit me today was a huge barrier to contentment. And so it, it blended in with some of the things that I had. I, I think that what I taught in the past was not inaccurate. I think it was uh, complete. But I think that what I would like to do is I want to take a little bit of a bend today to bring you along with me on this, this one thing that I think in our society today is a thief of contentment. And since contentment, Paul says, is one of the, the key fundamental doorways into faith and it drives out fear then I think we ought to look at it, what it is and how can we look at what it is that sometimes blocks us from being content and what does contentment mean if you would open your Bibles to Philippians as you know some of you have not been here before we've been working through the book of Philippians I forget always how long we've been doing these things but there's a central theme that runs through every book, that runs through every chapter, that runs through every, uh, from the whole New Testament and the Old Testament. And there's themes that run through. And the main theme is that this is a story about Jesus Christ. This is a story about his life and his love and those that he loves. And so this doesn't jump outside, even though that Paul's referring to some financial needs at this point. Uh, it's not limited to that because you'll see that he says in all things all things now I've learned the secret of being content so if you would uh, join me in reading this in Philippians chapter 4 verse 10 it says I have rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me indeed you were concerned before but now you lacked but you lack the opportunity and not that I speak from want for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. For I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, that was a sign to me, but I, I do want to turn over to verse 19 and 20. I don't know, Pat, if this is yours or not, and I... I don't want to steal this, but I don't think this can be understood without that verse which concludes the whole book. And my God then shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Join me in prayer. Father, we... 
so often we open your word, we, we listen to your words through song, through conversation, from sometimes just reading. And we, we get compliant. We sometimes listen without a purpose. Today I ask that we would lay our lives down before you today, that you would uh, burn within our souls truth that would set us free in areas of our life. Get our flesh out of the way. Get the deceptions that this world and the enemy has given us that blind us from the real truths that you want us to see. I pray that you make us teachable. I pray that you would make us wise, that we might be able to reflect your glory forever and ever. Amen. It says, I, uh, not that I speak from want, but I have learned the secret of being content. And, and, and I've talked to you before, we have used this word contentment. And the word contentment is, uh, it did not uh, exist. We kind of picked it up and we've added to it. But the word contentment was taken from a way back in the war times where uh, people would have their battles. And, and if you've ever looked back in, in that area of land or over in Europe, all of these cities were put up on hills and they were on hills and then they kind of built walls around them and they were guarded and and then many times when people attacked each other it was very difficult to attack a city so a lot of times they would just wait out they would set a guard around the city and when people ran out of supplies they could not come out they knew they'd be killed so they'd raise their white flag and they would come out and surrender because their water supply their food supply or whatever it was was short well those cities that were content were those cities that were self-contained they had their own water supply their own animals their own chickens their own eggs all the things they had they could wait out the rest of their life. They were self-contained. That's the word content. And it says, I have learned the secret of being self-contained. I don't need anything outside of what I have. You don't need anything outside of what you have and possess. And by the way, way back to the, even the Ten Commandments, when God said, thou shalt not covet, he was commanding you to not covet, to not want something that you did not have so he is already saying that I have built in you I've empowered you to be self-contained it already you already possess that which you need to be content we don't need to go outside of ourselves to get something but there's a thief that came and I, th I don't know what generation it came I I would love to talk to some of you that are I when I used to talk you used to talk older than me but now that not a lot of you are getting that way but there are some of you that are still older than me. And something happened in our society, and not only our society, but in our world. And, 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 and it was a, a horrible thing that I think was taken with innocence, but I think Satan, in his strategies with a well-conceived plot, brought it into our lives. And, and then we even have in, uh, in our founding fathers, we have this saying that says, the pursuit of happiness. And, and we misinterpreted that because that pursuit of happiness didn't mean what we have made it mean today. All it meant is that they could have their own land. They had the right to pursue to have their own land. 
But we have got this thing that has come and it's a thief and it's robbed us and it's this, this thing of being happy, this thing of being uh, uh, comfortable. And we, we were driven by it. And it will rob you of contentment if you've got this, this, this passion of just being happy, being comfortable, being compliant. Now with that, I want you to take a journey with me and I'm gonna walk back into a, a story that's very familiar with all of us here today. But I wanna walk through the story of how it builds into this today and hopefully we can make application before we leave here. This is the story of David and Goliath. And you can't, you can't read David and Goliath and really understand it if you don't know the, the symbol and, and what, it, what it's pointing to. It is actually pointing to Jesus and all the giants of this world. He is the deliverer of all that needs you need and I need delivered from. And then you've got to move it from David to Jesus to now that Jesus has inhabited our lives as containers we inhabit the very life of Christ and then we therefore become that slayer as well. So let's back up and let's look at a story that, that I think will help kind of put this into place. You've heard a lot of the, the stories and a lot of different versions of this and a lot of different explanations of this, but I want us to think about this, what was really happening. You had a nation of Israel on this side, and you had the Philistines on that side. And every single morning, what was it, 40 days and 40 nights, you had these, these uh, camps, these army camps, that were being brought from people like David. They would bring up uh, this bread and, and, the, and the drink that they would drink, and they would bring the cheese that they would bring them. And every day they would bring into their camps this food. And they would eat this food, and then they would go out, and it says they would give their war cry out here. They would give out, and they would do their war cry. But they kind of gave their war cry, and they really didn't have a lot in their heart for the war cry. They'd just give the war cry. Then they'd slip back to their camps, and they would eat, and they began to become comfortable where they were. They began to be compliant. Complacency became a huge part of their life. They, I'm just going to be comfortable. Uh, they thought in their mind, you know, if we do anything different than this, if we actually go out there, remember the rules of the game is whoever decides that he will fight this giant, nine-foot giant, if we lose, we have to serve them the rest of our life. If they lose, they have to serve us the rest of our life. And I'm not sure it's worth the gamble. So what, I'll do, what we'll do is, let's just go back here, day in and day out, and they're going to go ahead and come back and eat their wine, drink their cheese. They celebrate at night, and then they go out in the morning, and they all do their little war chant, and they chant against Philistines, and the Philistines come out, and they chant until one man from the Philistine side, Goliath, comes out, and he comes out, and he basically challenges the whole nation of Israel, and then they go back inside, and they go back, and they get in their little tents again, and they decide this is how we're going to live. Forty days this goes on, and they have become, as it alluded to, comfortable in their setting. And you know the story of this little man that comes out? 
And David comes out and he's bringing them their food and their cheese and their bread and he's bringing it to them. And he sees this. And he is blown away. How long has this been going on? How long have you guys came back here and sat in your tents eating your cheese and your bread and drinking your meat and this man taunts the living God of Israel? How long are you going to sit here? This ends today. 40 minutes from now, this will be over. David tells him, I will not tolerate this any longer. You guys in your comfortableness and your, your complacency are in your own way defying the God of Israel. He was self-contained. He came out with a sling. He didn't add anything more, didn't need anything more. But he says, here's the deal is, I'll be right back to that giant. I'll be right back. And in 20 minutes or 30 minutes, you will be dead. This thing will be over. Goes back. Obviously, they try to give him more than what he needs. He doesn't want any more, but everybody's telling him, you need more. And so what everybody does, which we do today, we compare ourselves with ourselves, and I look over at this person, they have more than me, so I want what they have. If I can just get what they have, then I might be able to go ahead and be okay and be comfortable enough. And David said, take this armor off of me, get out of the way, I have something to do. The other thing that is alluded in here, and it's alluded in all the passages that we're going to look at here later on, uh, even in the passage where, where it talks about David earlier or later on, where he basically says, Blessed are you, O God of Israel, my Father, forever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. And did everything that is in the heavens is yours. And everything on this earth belongs to you. You are head over everything that there is. Riches and honor come from you. You rule over all, and in your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, my God, I thank you. I'm, I praise your glorious name. For who am I and who are my people that we have learned to give so generously as we do? Do we not just take from your left hand and give to your right? For we are sojourners before you. We're tenants. Our days on this earth are like shadows and your abundance that you have provided comes from you and I want you to see this in every single one of these types of situations where contentment and we're giving and where all these things come into place there is a, a eternal perspective that we are sojourners we are tenants here we basically are just like flames where you light a match and it goes out you ever tried to light a match and in the wind and you cover it and you try to protect it but it, it, it gets to it but if we all lit matches in here somebody's flame will last a little longer and somebody else's flame and somebody's will go right out and some of you just had a dud match so it just went out right away 
that's our life in this planet. We're tenants, we're sojourners. And David was basically saying, making this statement, and this statement came from Louis Giglio that I basically felt like it just grabbed me today. It says, life is short and our God is big. Life is short and our God is big. So what basically he does, he comes out. In short time, he says, this isn't a matter of 40 days, 40 nights like this. He says, I don't know how this is going to end. I don't know what's going to happen with this thing, but I do know this. I'm going to take a risk, and this is going to be over in about 30 minutes. And you know the story. And I wonder about you and me. We come here Sunday after Sunday. We walk through our days. And, and when I really talk to people, what do you think about? What, what occupies your days? What occupies your mind? What occupies your conversations? Are they occupied by the strategy of being somehow comfortable? Comfortable for maybe even the later days of your life? Well, I got hit with some of that today. I've been trying to kind of make some strategy of how I'll go out, uh, that I'll make sure that there's uh, enough resources and trying to strategize about what I'm going to do and where will I be able to get my money if I sell my house, what will I be able to do? And I'm strategizing because I'm wanting to be comfortable in my later days. I didn't know that was happening. It just began to happen. What occupies your mind? Why do you go to work? Why are you saving? What is it that consumes you? Have we just kind of got back in our little tents and we eat our cheese and we eat our bread and we drink our drink and say, you know, just kind of leave me comfortable. I've kind of got life kind of set out here. Or are we going to live a life of faith? You see, I believe that the Christian life is short. I look at all these people that are passing away, and it really is, it says our life is a shadow. It is like a vapor. It's like a flower that you see one morning, and then you come back a day later, and it's withered away. That's our life. But God is big. And somehow these people had decided that they were going to make their home these tents. That was not their home. David said, get this guy dead and get back to your home that God had given us this land. But I think we sometimes live like we're kind of comfortable in this home. This planet is not your home. Why are we living every single day like we're somehow trying to you know, make it comfortable? Nancy gave me a book that was given by my neighbor over here, the Cheddars, and by Livingston. And it's, uh, you know, you know the story of the inventor and you know the story of Livingston, but this book has been a real challenge to her. And I thank you, Nancy, for giving that. She gave me this article this morning and she said, look at this. And in and, and, and the book, it, it was interesting of how these people lived. Comfort wasn't this big deal for them. They didn't have this pursuit of being comfortable. They basically had a desire to say, God, here is my life. It belongs to you. 
this isn't a world where you have to go ahead and make me comfortable. It's a world that my life is living down and it is offered to you. And so therefore, I, I don't, it's not a sacrifice for me to do whatever it takes. And all of these things began to kind of mingle in my heart today and in my mind today and my strategies of how I was going to go ahead and, and get my life to have some comfortable ending days. And I realized that I had been somehow subtly deceived like the world into being comfortable and being compliant and basically going back. Contentment is not complacency. Contentment is not complacency. Contentment actually is the doorway into faith, and faith is something that you and I are going to do to make radical, risky decisions. We don't see and feel the emotions of David when he walked against that giant. I promise you that he was going boldly, but he didn't go out there not afraid, not scared. I don't think he knew what was going to happen. He just knew we will not do this any longer. Risks, taking risks. Are you comfortable? I've learned the secret of being content, Paul says. Having little, having much. He goes on to tell them, you guys, you guys, in the middle of your comfort, in the middle of your uh, comfort, you have decided to take everything that you possess and you decided to send it my way. It's not that I accept the gift and receive the gift so much. I accept the fact that glory is going to come to God by what he's going to do in your life. That's what makes me excited about the gift, Paul says. It's not the gift, it's the glory that God is going to get when you decide you're not going to stay comfortable. And you're going to say, life is short, and God is big. And only understanding those phrases can we understand contentment. So this challenge is for you today as well. I'm bringing you into the same challenge I got this morning. Are you going to keep living the same way that you've been living? Just trying to stay comfortable. Trying to kind of be just complacent and live back here. Are you willing to take a risk? I don't know what that risk will look like for some of you. You're all unique. You're all individual. God has a unique relationship with each one of us. But I, I promise you, as I see in Scripture, God is pleased by the act of faith, and that alone pleases God. Faith is something that you're going to put your trust in that makes no worldly sense in this world. Things that might absolutely blow you away. It might be a financial decision that you've been just saving up and saving up and you've got everything's now set up for the way that you're going to go out. And God says, I want that entire nest egg. I have a place for that to be. And you say, life is short, God is big. What do you want to do with it? Maybe it's your time. Maybe it's your, you're guarding your time. Part of mine was I, I wanted to get rid of a big place so I didn't have to be so uh, busy trying to keep up a place that was getting Nancy and I backed up. I thought it was so that I could get more comfortable. God said, that was never the reason I put it in your mind to get rid of that place. 
I ask you to get rid of the place and at least move that direction so your time would be more available to be a servant for me to love through you and to move through you. It's distracting you from what I'm calling you to do. There's a world out here in need of Christ's life. And they're chasing, and we're chasing this whole dream of comfort. Here's the thing that I, I believe as I look through every single character in the Scripture. The end of that verse there says, and when they decided to do these things and sacrifice themselves, they became glad in the Lord and rejoiced. Just do yourself a favor today. When you go back or on your way down the hill or whether you're taking your bike out, anybody still have their motorcycle running, uh, whether, whatever you're doing, just say, you know what, God, for a, for a season, let me get still enough to say, what are you wanting me to do? Where have I become compliant? Where have I become comfortable? Can I step out of my tent and say life is short and you are big? What are you wanting to do through this life today? And that I can be because of my contentment of having everything that I need right now, without comparing it to other people, I have everything that I possess. Now, what act of faith do you want me to take today so that when we leave here today, in 20 minutes, in 30 minutes, this thing ends? This way of life ends. This lifestyle ends. This pursuit ends. And now we become containers and vehicles of God's love now because we're content we can now take steps of faith and I can promise you whatever you save up for it is going to the scripture says why or world are you saving up for when you die you can't take anything with you anyway and I'm not just talking about money I'm talking about your time your your life it is the secret that Paul had learned he got initiated into it and he says this includes everything. So as I pray and the singers come up, I want you just to be able to be still as you can while we pray and see if God would speak to you sometime today and then be obedient to it. I have right now on my quiet time table, I have a list of things God has put on my heart to contemplate, to be able to go ahead and get out of a place of discomfort and move towards a place of faith but because I can be content with little or content with much. I'm not there, but I will make that commitment. I ask you to join me. Father, I have no idea what you're speaking to each of these people here today. I know what you're speaking to me, and that's all I can be concerned for. I know that what you're going to ask of me is totally impossible for me. My flesh cannot do it. It's never satisfied. It always wants more. It's always comparing itself with other people. But you said the flesh wars against the spirit, and you have put a new spirit within my heart. You have put a new spirit within the hearts of everybody here, and I pray that they would be sensitive to your voice, to what are you going to ask them to do, that our life does not belong to ourselves. If we live, we live unto the Lord, and if we die, we die unto the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to you. I pray that you would help us step into a place of contentment so that we would know whatever it might be, whether it be hunger, whether it be thirst, or whether it be that we've amply supplied or not, 
that we are content on wherever you put us, for we know that you know the thoughts and plans you have for us. They're good for us. You said you poured out from your throne room what we need, and it's perfectly suited for us. Lord, I admit to you personally that what you've given me fits me perfectly. By faith, I am declaring that. I stand against the spirit of complacency. I stand against the spirit of comfort as our aim. You said, don't be so surprised, Bill, when some fiery ordeal overtakes you and bad news comes to you about friends and death and sickness and whatever, for this world is not where you belong. But cheer up, I've overcome this world. And I pray that every heart here would at least be sensitive to your voice and in their own private union and intercourse with you, that they would have the strength to be obedient to say, this ends in 20 minutes. And grab your little rock and go forward with faith. Throw it, not knowing at all what God will do, because life is short and God is big. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.